Let's take a look at this video. It shows one of those trash hotspots is near the intersection of South Tunnel and Swannanoa River Roads. And you'll find abandoned shopping carts, clothes, and cardboard boxes. The trash dotting Asheville streets, riverbeds, and freeway underpasses has seemingly grown so bad, even TV news is devoting time to it. But no local reporter has dived deeper into the proverbial dumpster than Jessica Wakeman of the Mountain Express. It looks a lot more visible now because during the pandemic, a lot of the volunteers that used to pick up litter stopped doing their routes. I think everyone assumes that it's somebody else's responsibility. You feel like your yard belongs to you, but once it's in the street, maybe it belongs to the city. I am a maker, a builder, a baker, although sometimes my messes are all that you'll find. I'm Matt Pikin, and this is The Overlook, a daily podcast about the news, arts, issues, and trends of Asheville, North Carolina. Jessica Wakeman, my guest today, went beneath the surface of the trash we see to root out the myriad sources, the disparate agencies and people tasked with cleaning it up, and some of the social and cultural forces at play. We talk about all that and more in today's episode. Charles Payne has seen what's wrong with public education from three perspectives, as a student, as a teacher, and as a black American. With the help of the Magnetic Theater's program to cultivate playwrights, Payne has written a new work of art called The Classroom Ain't Enough. It's storytelling, poetry, and original music woven into what the playwright calls a choreo poem. Payne says the overarching message in the narrative is that a child only educated in school is an uneducated child. The Classroom Ain't Enough premieres June 2nd and runs through June 17th at the Magnetic Theater. For tickets, go to themagnetictheater with an R-E dot org. I began our conversation by asking Jessica what inspired her to even begin investigating the city's growing issues with trash. So often with me, I'm inspired by things that happen in my personal life or in my off work hours. And it, for me, it was two things that happened close together. One was that my husband and I were hanging out at Cascade Lounge in their outdoor area. And there's a little stream that runs along the outdoor area. And there was some parents with small kids, maybe seven, eight, nine years old. And the kids were in the stream and they were pulling what was essentially trash, but like pulling items out of the stream. And they were, it was like a treasure hunt. They were like, look, they found like a bowl and just stuff that was obviously junk, but the kids were excited about it. But then also in a Facebook group that I'm on for the neighborhood I live in, West Asheville, a local guy posted requesting that people pick up volunteer shifts to clean up local roads. And he printed out a map or he put up a map on the Facebook page and was like, tell me what road you'll take and I'll highlight it and then everybody can get one. And those kind of two things happening in short in a short span just made me think, okay, maybe I need to look at <laughs> trash more closely. So what was your first step in terms of reporting this? What was the question you sought to ask and answer? Yeah. So when I pitched it in our, the Mountain Express editorial meeting, what I told them was the reporting that I've done about trash and litter before has always been a part of my reporting about the unhoused population. So it was more specifically about encampment cleanups or about needle litter, syringe litter. And so 
from doing those pieces, I knew that there's a couple different entities that handle different types of trash. Parks and Recreation can do it. Like Sunrise, uh, which is a local nonprofit for recovery, it handles needle litter. So I knew that it was not just a simple one person's job is to do this. So when I pitched an editorial meeting, I said, I want to write about whose responsibility it is to pick up trash all over and find out all the entities that do this, who's responsible for what. Because at the end of the day, most people don't think that way. We don't think the sidewalk is this person's job, the middle of the street is this person's job, the park is this person's job. We tend to just be like, you know, it's the mayor's fault or it's the governor's fault. And ultimately, it probably is. The person who's responsible for it It's not one person, it's 25 different people. Yeah, we don't think about that as a citizen end of things. We don't think about the multiple entities of people who are responsible for it. And we also don't think about the multiple parties who are responsible for the litter in the first place. You were very clear in your story to point that out, that people who might be saying, oh, it's just the growing homeless population. Look at all the litter they're leaving. You really dispel that. So talk about the variety of sources of litter and also the accumulation of it, including, I think you said in Buncombe County, there was like 850,000 pounds of garbage cleaned up in Buncombe County. Before I answer that question, I will answer it. It's funny that you mention amounts because I think it's really tricky to actually assess the amount of litter because we know so much of it exists. It's all over the place. And because there are so many different entities responsible for cleaning it up, there isn't going to be one number. Just to make it clear, like we don't know exactly how much trash there is because it's just too complicated. And the ways of measuring it are diverse. Exactly. Totally. So talking about the sources of litter. Okay. Clearly litter comes from so many different sources and the ones that might be the most visible are not necessarily the biggest polluters or the, the ones who are the most responsible. So of course you have your residential trash that becomes litter when the bag opens and it blows down the street. That's litter. You have people who can't afford or choose not to pay for trash pickup that will deposit their trash in the woods or along the river. That's another source of litter. You have tourists. I work downtown. When I come to work in the mornings on Mondays or sometimes on Fridays, there's trash that there has been a bachelorette party going through town. You can tell it's a bachelorette party's trash. (laughs) How how do you know that? Because they'll be like pink and sparkles and that kind of thing. Okay. yeah, you can tell. You can tell when there has been a bachelorette party downtown the night before. Wow. Another interesting one was wildlife, bears getting into trash. And I know there's plenty of people who have those bear-proof trash cans, but a lot of people don't. I'm sure raccoons and dogs and whatever also contribute to that. And that's not as sexy, of course, as blaming the homeless or blaming people who are throwing trash out their windows. But the reality is there are all these different places. And another one I don't want to forget is trash blowing out the back of people's commercial and residential vehicles. Hmm. It may not have originated as trash, but if somebody is driving to a construction site and they have half-empty bags of things, it blows off the truck. Or somebody is driving to the dump. They haven't secured their stuff and trash is blowing in the wind on the highway. Those things don't mean to be litter, but they become litter. Is there a greater amount now of all of that than 
or at least from what officials are telling you, is there a greater amount of all of that now than there was, say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago in Asheville? So they couldn't really answer that. Every time that I asked an official, and I did a lot of interviewing for this story, I interviewed people from the county, people from the city, interviewed people from Greenworks, which is a local nonprofit that cleans along the rivers. I interviewed people from Sunrise. That The people from the, the city and the county were very reluctant to say that it has increased because we don't have necessarily the figures to say that. What they said, and this is, I think, true, is that it looks a lot more visible now because during the pandemic, a lot of the volunteers that used to pick up litter stopped doing their routes. And so whereas before the COVID-19 pandemic started, you probably you had community groups that were like, OK, we're going to go clean up this park or we're going to go clean up along the French Broad River. They disbanded, maybe didn't start doing it again. And so everybody that's now walking there is seeing all that trash and think, oh, we're such a messy city. We probably always were. There was just people taking care of it. You're getting to the cleanup end of things. And there's, yeah. there's a lot to explore there. But there's one more question I had on the sources of litter. Yeah. Is there, I guess it would take a psychologist to answer this maybe, but are, is there just a general sense of not my problem? Is there a cognitive dissonance of people who are either consciously putting their trash someplace or yeah. just not picking it up if it, if a bear goes through their trash. Like I just had that for the first time this season, two days ago, I cleaned up every bit of it because it was in my yard. But I guess if it were, if it had been dragged like a hundred yards away and I knew it was mine, I don't know that I would have cleaned it up. Maybe I would have, but is there a disconnection of responsibility that people just have when it comes to trash? Definitely. I think everyone assumes that it's somebody else's responsibility. Yeah, And I think like that you give a really great example is that you feel like your yard belongs to you, but once it's in the street, maybe it belongs to the city. And if it blew into a park, somebody from Parks and Recreation will probably pick it up. But in terms of the psychology of why are people littering, you know, what folks from the county particularly told me is that they feel as if there are some people who maybe did not grow up in this area, regularly disposing of their trash. That was just not something that was always done. I'm talking about further out in the counties and that the way trash was disposed of was throwing it in the forest. Mm. And I think we it, it can be hard for a lot of people to understand that, but if that's what people do, that's what people do. And I don't know how you change that. Like clearly fining people or publicly shaming them. If people have been doing this forever, that's not working. I remember the scene, it was, I think it was in season one of Mad Men, where Don Draper and the family are out picnicking. I don't know if you've watched the series. Yeah. And then Betty, when they're all done, they pile into the car and she takes the picnic blanket, shakes it off with all the litter, all the trash, and just leaves it on the lawn of where they were picnicking and rolls up in the car. Yeah. I'd like to think we've moved beyond that, that there's at least a public shaming, like, like people wouldn't want to be seen doing that now. You just mentioned a moment ago about volunteer groups and mm -hmm. that hope that the pandemic really curtailed that, or if not put that to a grinding halt. I didn't realize there were community groups just in general who were doing this. You always hear about community cleanup day. Like there, it'll be a special day where they're getting people together to clean up a riverside or something like that, a, sh a bank of a stream. But I didn't know that there were ongoing 
volunteer groups who tasked themselves with cleanup. Oh, yeah. The biggest, most well-known one is probably Asheville Greenworks. They are a small nonprofit, but they have a big job, which is trying to keep the sides of the river clean. They also, to an extent, will clean up the river itself. It's actually really cool. They manufacture these things called trash trout. I saw that in your story. Trash trout. Describe this and what does it do? I don't know why it's called a trash trout. I assume it's because we think of a trout as having like a big mouth. A trash trout is like a contraption that gets placed in the river to pick up trash. I don't want to call it a net because it's not made out of mesh material. It's made out of like metal, but it goes inside the river and it just collects junk. And then people, I don't know if they volunteer or the business does that, but it removes the trash trout, takes the trash out, puts it back in. Are the trash trouts there to stay? Are there more of them now or? I want to say that there's 25 or 30, but that's all around. And they're also, they're not just in North Carolina. They're also in other states. How how big are these? Because I can't imagine that they collect a whole bunch of trash unless they're massive. I mean, from the photos I've seen, they look like the size of a small car. That's pretty big. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Like a a smart car or a... (laughs) But I think that like when you think about it, it's probably a big production to get the trash trout and get it out of the river and to get the trash out. So they want to make it big, big enough to collect a lot of trash. And fish don't get caught in there. I would imagine not, but I've had that same question. I don't know the exact number, but there are trash trouts like all over Western North Carolina because of Asheville Greenworks. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. But that's a nonprofit doing this. You said there were just volunteer people doing this. Yeah. So Asheville Greenworks organizes, or I should say, they help organized groups to do volunteer cleanups. They, Asheville Greenworks, will meet with people and explain to them how to do a cleanup. You need to wear this type of glove. You should wear this type of bag or carry this type of bag, have a trash picker, all those kind of little details, and help them find locations to go to. Some people volunteer to do specific locations. In West, if you live in West Asheville, you probably see West Asheville the most and you want to do that area. But then there might be other groups like a church group or a school group who's just, we want to volunteer, where do you need us? And then they they explained to me the locations that they put the most effort into. Amboy Road, Riverside Drive, Emma Road, Meadow Road, Swannanoa River Road, Sweeten Creek Road, and the Hawk Creek area. Do some of these groups, are they volunteering to pick up trash that are not their specific neighborhoods? They just know that there are problem areas in this city? Do-gooders, yeah. That's awesome. Now, there's more money, or at least there's at least a one-time money injection to yeah. clean up trash. Talk about how government is approaching trash cleanup and how that's evolved since the pandemic. Yeah. To start with, there's several different entities responsible for different places in the city and in the county. Asheville's downtown central business district is handled by the Streets Division of Public Works, but also Asheville Parks and Rec. Asheville Public Parks, handled by Asheville Parks and Recreation employees. Bus stops, handled by a contractor for art. But the new news, the kind of exciting news that came out in March is that city-owned streets and city-owned properties, so a city building and the in front of the building, are n- now have cleanup happening there, which never happened before. Really? Wh- yeah. Talk about why didn't it happen before and why is it happening now? 
My guess would be it wasn't happening before because nobody thought that it was important enough to fund it because the funding for it came from American Rescue Plan funding. How much money are we talking about and what is that paying for? It's half a million dollars. It's a one-shot deal. When we run out of that money, not sure whether this will continue, but it's going to be handled by a company that's called WNC Landscaping, which already works with the city to do cleanups. So it's a separate contract, but it's with the same company that already does stuff. And really the idea is that they're going to clean up these city-owned streets, city-owned properties all around the city. And they're going to be starting, or they started in West Asheville. They cleaned up the roads there. Then they're going to rotate through the south of the city, east and west, and just go around in a constant circle. When you say city-owned properties, you're not talking only about buildings and in front of those city-owned buildings. You're talking about city-maintained streets and roadways? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a lot. That's pretty much every artery in this city. Yeah. Okay. What the, you know, what they told me is that in the first week when they did West Asheville, they did 60 shoulder miles. Wow. That's a lot. It seems like a lot. Now, yeah. you said this half a million dollars is a one-shot deal. How long will this money last? I don't know. Because if you think about it, you know, that people are going to get used to, well, the streets are clean again, and then it's going to get dirty again. And then we're going to be back to where we were. Is there just a general shortage of money to do this kind of cleanup on an ongoing level? That would really be a question for city council. But my opinion is that it's not a shortage of money. It's a lack of willpower to get it done. You hear that phrase, maybe it's a cliche, but a budget is a moral document. We apparently have the money for a lot of other things. Why not put it towards this? Personally, I think that the reason that this may be happening now, and to be clear, I'm sure that the ARPA funding has been something that's been in the works for a long time, but I feel like part of the reason that this this funding has come through now for the pilot program to clean up the downtown streets City, sorry, the city-owned streets, and also the Purple Bags program, which is a program to give purple trash bags out to the Hanaus population in order for to, to put their trash someplace. I think those things are happening right now as something of a reaction or a backlash to the enormous amount of bad press that Asheville has been getting about being a dirty city, being a supposedly dangerous city. There's been a couple different news stories on Fox News and various conservative sites. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're having these kind of programs appear right now. Step into the weird, fantastical wonderland of Alice and the White Rabbit through the lens of Asheville Contemporary Dance Theater. It's a family show with colorful sets and costumes in collaboration with the new studio of dance. Alice and the White Rabbit opens May 26th and runs six performances through June 4th at the Intimate BB Theater in downtown Asheville. For tickets and info, go to the company's website, acdt.org. Talk about the purple trash bag program, the roots of it, and how effective so far is it from your vantage point? I'm currently doing reporting on it, so I don't have a ton of information about it yet, but the basics are that sanitation department will be responsible for handing out purple trash bags to the unhoused population. The reason that the bags are going to be purple 
is going to be when individuals pick them up, they know that they might contain biohazardous material. A lot of people hear biohazardous material and they immediately think used syringes. Of course, that could be it, but we're also talking about feces or whatever other people who are unhoused, they get sick as well and they need to throw away their stuff. So it's going to be special bags that can be left on the street and people who work for the city in various different departments, sanitation, public works, and parks and recreation, when they see them, they'll report it and the bags will get picked up. So to be clear, it's not as if there's going to be like a new trash collection program where we're saying, okay, on this street corner, the unhoused population needs to put all the bags and they'll get collected. It's going to be more of an ad hoc kind of thing where the bags are out there and people see them, report them, and then they go get collected. So it's not necessarily akin to the trash and recycling receptacles we already see all over town. No. It's it's people who are among the unhoused taking the initiative to clean up trash. And I have to wonder, what is their incentive to do that? I've done quite a bit of reporting about the unhoused population. And of course, individuals are all different. So there's no way to say across the board, everybody believes this, everybody believes that. But one thing that I have heard when I've interviewed people who are unhoused, including at encampments, is that they feel very frustrated at the perception that they are dirty and unclean and messy. They're literally living with all their items outside in a tent. So it looks messy, but who's to say we also would not have our stuff looking messy if we were living outside as well? Sure. So in terms of what what motive or what initiative do they have, some of the homeless population probably would like to show the community, look, we will clean up after ourselves. But is everybody going to do it? Of course not. Because Everybody in Asheville, everybody in Buncombe County isn't cleaning up after themselves. And the homeless population is no different from the tourists in that regard. All that being said, I was on Reddit this morning. I checked the Asheville Reddit page a couple times a day. Mm. And there was a link to a WLS story where a local woman was complaining about trash underneath the Craven Street Bridge. And WLS went out there with their cameras. And yeah, it's giant piles of sleeping bags and boxes and empty plastic bags, all these things. And yes, the homeless population may be able to clean up after themselves in certain areas, like if they're in a park, but in a situation like that, and to be clear, I don't know that the homeless population is responsible for all the trash under the Craven Street Bridge. It's also possible that people are dumping things there or things have flushed down the river. But the amount of trash there in that story needed to be cleaned up by an excavator. <laughs> oh, know, wow. WLS reported they spoke with the North Carolina Department of Transportation, who is responsible for under, for underneath the bridges, and they said the amount meant that they needed to have an excavator come. And so that's not going to be addressed until they get an excavator to come out. Yeah. Is there a sense of certain areas of our city that are more prone to trash accumulation than others? Do you mm-hmm. have an idea of that? Anecdotally, I've heard that there's more trash underneath the bridges, that there's trash in wooded areas that are, some can be private property, some can be public property in terms of that they're woods, but they're not trails that people are regularly walking on. They're areas that are, are so wooded that 
you go there if you want to go there, but it's not necessarily going to be seen by anyone else unless the public goes out there. For example, I've heard a lot of complaints about a wooded area near the Walmart. There's also certain locations that folks who use substances will gather in certain areas and in those places. However, like to a certain extent, it, I don't think it necessarily matters the large amount of litter in one spot. I think it's the small pieces of litter everywhere that leads to people thinking we have a problem. What in your reporting surprised you? There are things that anecdotally and visibly we see. What, what did you come across that you wouldn't have expected or what did anybody tell you that was a surprise to you? I knew when I pitched the story that there were going to be a bunch of different organizations and governmental entities that were responsible. I didn't quite understand the breadth of how many different people are responsible. So just to run down a list, uh, the Streets Division of Public Works is one, Asheville Parks and Recreation, a private company called WNC Landscaping, the North Carolina Department of Transportation. There's an Adopt-A-Highway program. There's a Sponsor Highway program. There's the Art, the, the regional transit, they have a contractor. There's private companies that have trash cans on their land that they deal with that. There's Greenworks. There's the Sunrise Community for Recovery and Wellness. And I could go on. This but basically, is, there's just, I was surprised at the sheer number of entities that are responsible. And when there's that number, we can't help but have an inconsistency to yeah. it, right? I'm not going to, you're not going to call it any names, but is there a sense that some of these entities are on it and some are not as on it? As a reporter, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I just am sharing what I have heard. I've heard frustration from all different segments of Asheville society, frustration with the Department of Transportation regarding trash on the highways and trash underneath the bridges. NCDOT. Yeah, NCDOT. And to be fair to them, there is an entire very large state that their highway division has to deal with in order to clean up the trash. But locally, they're responsible for Interstates 240 and 40. And they, their representative told me that they clean up the trash there two times a month. Other interstates in the area, they clean up once a month. So my guess is that's perhaps not frequent enough to deal with the amount of trash that's being generated. However, like I said, they have an entire state to deal with. Yeah. We also have a lot of smaller highways, two-lane highways. Who's responsible for cleaning those up? Are those at the county level? I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. But I will say this new program that the city of Asheville is doing is part of what they're cleaning up are the city-owned streets. Some of those city-owned streets may be highways or maybe... Well, like Merriman yeah. Avenue is technically Highway 25 going north Asheville. So I just didn't know who cleaned those up. Anything I haven't asked you about your reporting that you think would be germane or interesting for people to know? Yeah. I've done some reporting on homeless encampments. And that's such a tricky concept to begin with because encampments almost by nature are moving. They're moving all over the place. So it's not as, while there are some that stick around for a long time, there can be an encampment in one location that's there and then it's moved somewhere else a week later. So it's very hard to wrap your, your head around. The homeless encampments, in terms of cleaning up trash that is left behind after they've moved, it's not the purview of Parks and Recreation anymore. 
it is part of a contract with an outside company. It's called Bio One. And the reason I heard about Bio One was because I went to an encampment that was being cleared behind the Bartlett Arms Apartments, which is it's overlooking the Rad area. And there was a big truck there and some dumpsters that said Bio One on the side. And I thought, I'm going to look into this. And basically, that company is a biohazardous materials cleanup company. They primarily work with hoarding situations. So they get called by family members or friends to go into people's homes and take care of a a situation where somebody's unable to do that themselves. But they've also been being contracted by Asheville to deal with biohazardous materials after an encampment. And when I say biohazardous materials, syringe litter, but also human waste. Yep. And it's a dirty job. Literally. It's it, Yeah, literally. I will say that when I interviewed the CEO of the company, you had asked me earlier what I was surprised about in terms of my reporting about litter. When I reported the story about cleaning up homeless encampments and this company, Bio One, I was surprised at just the amount of compassion that this particular individual had. I think we we tend to think of people who are involved somehow in, in homeless encampments all being like bad guys or evildoers. He really, it seemed as, a, as though it was important to him to set aside people's personal items, make sure that they're not throwing away anything that looks like it's of value to someone. And of course, whether something's of value is in the eye of the beholder, but it, it surprised me, the level of compassion that this particular person had. That kind of contrasts what I heard secondhand from what how the police handled the Aston Park trash or the encampments there, that there was a sense that there was an indiscriminate cleanup there. That's a whole sticky wicket <laughs> that yeah. I'm going to stay away from because okay. I, I have not done reporting on that. Okay. However... I will say that as I was reporting my litter story, it was pointed out to me that in terms of who who has gotten felony littering charges in Asheville, it has been the Aston Park activists and not, say... The bachelorette party. The bachelorette the- party. Or I was going to say XYZ Construction Company or Bob who lives down the hill who's throwing his trash in the forest. Like, again, it's telling who's getting in trouble for this stuff. I want to thank my guest today, Jessica Wakeman, a reporter with the Mountain Express. Today's conversation happened inside the BB Theater in downtown Asheville, which owners Susan and Giles Collard have been so gracious enough to open to me to record my interviews. Our theme music for The Overlook, Maker's Song, comes courtesy of the Asheville band The Resonant Rogues. The Overlook is a production of Podcast Asheville. New episodes are online by 6 a.m. every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at podavl.com. And please support the show by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash The Overlook Podcast. I'm Matt Pikin, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Overlook.